And with all that said and done, the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Dallas Stars are just one game away, one win away from a trip to the Stanley Cup Finals. Series recaps, Conn Smythe candidates, rumors and headlines going on around the league, all that packed up, jammed up in episode six. Let's go. Welcome in to episode six of the Second Thoughts Podcast. Kyle Gamard as your host. We are streaming live on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Make sure to follow along on Instagram and Twitter at Second Thoughts P. I said this at the beginning when I first started this podcast that I kind of picked a really good time to get going with this because. Everything being compacted the way it has been has resulted in news stories and headlines and rumors basically happening every single day. And that's what's going on today. Uh, I apologize, by the way, too, because I was going over. I had I have my templates uh, out here ready to go for the show. And I was going through it and, you know, there's small little headlines going around. I'm like, ah, you know, I got to include that. I can't include that. I I don't know if this will make a cut. I I know there's a lot of things going on and that is why I continue to voice this out over and over again. If you want me to talk about something specifically, please feel free to, to let me know. Send me a DM, send me a message, ask me a scenario that you think, you know, what way the scenario or situation is going to go, what I think is the best, you know, spot for a player or what I think is going to happen with this UFA or this RFA or what's going to happen with this player overseas, uh, by all means, let me know here. We got a lot to go over today. Uh, we'll, we'll go through the series recaps right now and in one of the series that has gone the way I thought it would. The other one, not so much. And in all honesty, you can't blame me. We'll talk about a couple other news stories that have been circling around the National Hockey League and uh, we'll get to some uh, some news and some rumors uh, happening as well. But we'll, uh, we'll start with the series recaps and, you know, we'll start with the first series and that the Tampa Bay Lightning have a 3-1 to lead over the New York Islanders. Uh, their last game, I believe it was as Sunday night, they won uh, 4-1 or Sunday afternoon. And like I said, Tampa 3-1 lead, one game away, one win away from moving on to the Stanley Cup Finals. And I kind of, I, I feel for the Islanders in this one because they, they are trying to get anything going and they are I mean they're they're put up against a team with a lot more talent it's just the way it is and sometimes as great of a story as big of an underdog and as much as some people want to see them prevail over Goliath sometimes sometimes David just does not come out on top and again this is still a series you know Tampa Bay hasn't won it yet but I think the New York Islanders right now are asking far too much from their third and fourth lines. I know that it was Brock Nelson that scored the lone goal in the 4-1 loss. But there's a lot of minutes being distributed to to Cal Clutterbuck and Matt Martin and Casey Sezekis and that whole fourth line. And the third line is trying to do as much as possible. But the talent's not there. The coaching is, I mean, as even as you can be, if you want to give an edge to Barry Trotz, and I know I continuously call him the best coach in the NHL, for the reason being that the talent level on the Tampa Bay Lightning is just far superior to what is being offered on on the, on the Islanders. I mean, the, the, in talent-wise, the Islanders' best player, technically, would be, would be Matt Barzell, and Tampa Bay's got a boatload of them. Whether you want to go Nikita Kucherov, whether you want to go Braden Point, whether you want to go Anthony Sorelli, whether you want to go, um, 
you know, Victor Hedman, or whether you want to go Mikhail Sergachev. Like, the list just goes on and on and on. And Tampa Bay, I've said this before, they have figured out a way to have all of that talent there, but play as a cohesive unit, and they just hit you with wave after wave. I'm pretty sure they have outshot the Islanders in every single game of this series. And Braden points... Listen, I'll get into Braden Point a little bit later, but I'm going to tell you right now, he is the Conn Smythe winner. Like, there's just there's just not a debate behind it anymore. The only other person you could kind of give up a, a debate on this one is maybe a guy in the other series, but that's pretty much it. Um, you know, they have a, a real opportunity here to close this thing out, and I wouldn't be surprised if they do in five. Before this series started, I called Tampa in six. They are up 3-1. I think the Islanders might have a chance to steal one, but... Tampa just keeps beating, just taking the life, the wind out of the sails of the Islanders. And the Islanders are just, at this point, fighting for any sort of, anything to cl- to, 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 to clinch onto. But it, Tampa's just not, they're not going away. And they're relentless. They're nonstop. They are a constant battle. And there's no easy minutes for any of the Islanders players. But uh, for the time being, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens in Game 5 as I'm recording this. But... Uh, I think Tampa eventually does move on to the Stanley Cup Finals. Over to the Western Conference, the Dallas Stars surprisingly up on the Vegas Golden Knights, and not surprisingly in terms of being up, surprisingly based on the way they've played. They uh, Their last game, they won 2-1, to one, and as I'm recording this right now, as I'm just going to go ahead and look at my phone here, I believe Dallas has a chance to close out the series as, uh, yes, game five will be played Monday night. So this will be uploaded as of Tuesday. So by the time this is out, Dallas may be on their way to the Stanley Cup finals, which is, it's, it's mind blowing to me because all I've heard is I've had a chance to watch. I haven't, I haven't been able to watch every single minute of every single game of this series, but the games that I've watched, the minutes that I've watched, Vegas has taken it to Dallas. And if you don't believe me, if you're like, Kyle, you don't know what you're talking about. They've been outshot. Dallas has been outshot in every game except for game one where the shots on goal were tied. And Dallas won 1-0. Shots on goal were 25 apiece. Fleury made 24 saves. Kudobin stopped every single one. I, I don't understand how they're coming out on top. I know everyone's talking about how this defensive system is, is working. They're hanging on right now because they're riding a 35-year-old, 5'11 goaltender who's never been considered a starter in their life. And this is just this is a run that happens at least once a year or once every couple of years that you ride a goaltender out for as long as he's going to give it to you. And, you know, I'm going to get into it a little bit later, but Dallas has got that they're going to live by the sword and they're going to die by the sword if it comes to it. But right now, they're a game away from going to the Stanley Cup Finals. And I'm not discrediting Dallas by any means. You get to this point in the season, whatever's working for you to win, go for it. It's just been phenomenal how much... How much Vegas has pushed these last two series going back to the Vancouver Canucks series and how much they've had to fight and claw just to get a goal and it's just been it's been wild to watch and we'll see what comes of it uh in the beginning when I made this prediction if you listen back to this episode I did predict Vegas Golden Knights would win in seven obviously that's still a possibility but they've got to win three straight games and like I said by the time this is out this series might already be over, but we'll see what comes from it. Uh, one notable thing I will say, despite the fact that um, all the chances that Vegas is getting, uh, their top guys 
haven't really been producing to the level that they thought they would be. And I'll give you an example here when I go back. I believe Max Pacioretty has, hasn't scored a goal in the playoffs in the last eight games. Uh, Mark Stone has kind of been a, a guy that's that's been pushing, get out of their way. But I, I just, Vegas, you know, no points from... He's picked up an assist, but the last time he scored was in the series against Vancouver. He's now gone seven games. My apologies. Seven games without a goal for Max Pacioretty. Uh, I just I, I just want to go down the list here of players and I just I want to see the game logs. I mean, you've got one goal from from William Carlson in this series. It's been tough sledding. And Marshall So has been having his shots on net, but Marshall So, I, I I'm going back. I, I can't remember the last time he scored in the Vancouver series, but he has not scored in, in almost ten games. So as, as as much as Jonathan Marshall So is getting five shots on net a game and he's been passed in front of the net and he's been doing everything he can. He hasn't had a goal in I don't know how long. And and right now, too, as I'm reading, Mark Stone, he has uh, an injured foot. And his status right now is 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 questionable. But, I mean, if he doesn't go, that is... I mean, that's the guy that's been, been able to put up points for this team. And we'll see how it goes. And Vegas has been a fun story. I think Robin Leonard's been great. I just think every time they play a team, their goaltenders just continue to one-up whoever the goaltender is for Vegas. And it's been, it's been tough sledding for him, so... We'll see what comes of it. Um, like I said, I had I had Vegas in seven, but Dallas. Like I'll, I'll get to this later. They're they're gonna live by the sword, and uh, and they're gonna die by the sword. I want to move on to this. Sometimes you see things coming, and it's inevitable. You know, you know that you're gonna have to pay your taxes. You know that you know bills are coming. You know that you have to go to work in the morning. Uh, Brayden Point has been a driving force for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and you can almost just see it coming that if Tampa makes the finals, I feel like regardless of the outcome, he's going to be the Smythe winner. And I'll break it down a little bit more just so you have an understanding of this. So far in 16 games, and he did miss one game in the playoffs, uh, Brayden Point has registered 25 points in just 16 games. Now, teams that have gone on to the Stanley Cup Finals that have won Smythe trophies... Uh, they're going over basically superstars, and they presumably went to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, Evgeny Malkin, though I believe the year he won the Conn Smythe, to get to 25 points, it took him 23 games. I believe Sidney Crosby had about the same amount of points, or a point or two more, but it took him 23 games. The fact that Brayton Point is 25 points in 16 games is just... It's wild to me. It's absolutely wild. And you look at the importance of a player too. And a lot of people say, well, yeah, you can't just look at points to define whether a player gets a Smythe trophy or not. Lightning are up 3-1 in the series against the Islanders as of right now. The one game they lost, Brain Point didn't play in. That should all that needs to be said about the importance of Brain Point. The one game they lost, he wasn't there. And the Islanders, they went to him. Won 5-3. I feel like there wasn't that same bite. The Islanders really took it, you know, took it. They had the most amount of shots, I think 35 shots in, in their 5-3 win that they won. But it, all of a sudden, Brain Point comes back. Lightning are right back to where they normally are. 4-1 win, out shooting the team significantly, I think by 8 or 9 shots. And there's a balance, right? Andre Palat gets in on the action. He picks up a couple of points. Coleman gets a goal. Right, Kucherov gets a couple more points. Yanni Gord gets a couple of points. Everything's steady and easy when Brain points in that lineup. 
and you can just it's a foregone conclusion things uh, some things are just inevitable and i think the inevitable thing in these playoffs is that Braden points going to win the con smite trophy players have gone on to lose they've gone on to lose in the stanley cup and still been given the award normally it's for goaltenders and i think if if let's just say the dallas stars are in there then at this point it's a two horse race between Braden Point and Anton Kudobin. If Vegas comes back, then you know we'll see. And if the Islanders come back, then everything changes. But if those two teams who are up 3-1 right now end up advancing to the Stanley Cup Finals, it's a two-horse race between Braden Point and Anton Kudobin. And I just think that regardless of what happens, Braden Point has got to be your Conn Smythe winner. He's at least in the lead for it. I don't I can't think of anyone else right now who I would put ahead of him, but I've said this in in prior episodes. I've said this to people in the past too. There's a reason you play the games. You got to play it out. You got to see the, how how things work out, and you don't just simulate it at this point because it'd be easy to just put two teams in the finals without them actually playing the game. So, I mean, I'll just put this there. There's been no Stamkos. Kucherov has been out, uh, you know, at times due to injury. Point's been a maniac ever since. His game has taken just a complete leap ever since these playoffs started. And in my opinion, he is the uh, he's the Conn Smythe winner. You know, I mentioned this a little bit earlier too, but, you know, the Dallas Stars are, they're living by the sword and they are dying by the sword. And this is what I wanted, this is what I wanted to eventually move to. And I I talked about it earlier about Anton Kudobin. The Dallas Stars right now, and I'm not comparing the team to this, but the Dallas Stars are doing something very similar to win hockey games as Muhammad Ali would do to win fights. They're playing rope-a-dope. They're getting outchanced. They're getting outshot. They're playing defense. They're kind of just sitting back. They're waiting along. They're taking shots from the perimeter. And then when they get their opportunity, when they're high scoring chance opportunities, they strike. They're living by the sword. They're dying by the sword. They were known as a defensive team. Earlier in the playoffs, they were scoring goals in bunches, and that just only that only benefited them even more because that's not what they were doing leading up to the series. But now it's back to playing rope-a-dope, sitting on the back, right? 2-1 wins, one nothing wins. That's what Dallas does. Look at the series so far. one nothing win, 3 nothing loss, 3-2 overtime win, 2-1 win. That series against Colorado was the complete opposite. Complete opposite. They have done a nice job closing it out right now. And they have an opportunity to shut things down uh, with this podcast ending. This this could be a team on their way to the Stanley Cup Finals. And I'm going to guarantee it right now. They're not going to go out and beat Golden uh, the Golden Knights 5-2. to two. I'm going to call that. And again, this is we're recording this as a Monday afternoon. It's going to be another 2-1, 3-2 game. Even a 4-3 game. I'll give them that. It's going to be a one-goal game. They're going to get outshot. And their 34, soon-to-be 35-year-old goaltender is going to face the brunt of the load and probably be the reason that they move on. And that's been the story so far. Living by the sword, dying by the sword is riding the story that is Anton Kudobin. And honestly, good for him. You know, here's a guy that has been a career backup or 1B option in the National Hockey League. He was doing that for the last couple of years with the Boston Bruins. Was given another opportunity to sit behind Ben Bishop in Dallas. Ben Bishop 
is then unable and unfit to play in the bubble. And here comes Anton Kudobin coming out of, not nowhere, but comes up and is one of the biggest reasons as to why Dallas is in the position that they are in right now. And I will say this, by all means, write them out. This is one of the best stories going on in the playoffs right now. But after the playoffs, it will end. And when it will end, a team will take a chance on Anton Kudobin, hoping to be their 1A or maybe even, you know, a starting guy that can go in there and give you like 50, 55 games. And I'm telling you right now, it's going to be a mistake. We've seen it enough times with backup goaltenders or with goaltenders and you'll ride them for a playoff. And then the next year comes and they kind of fall back down to earth. He's not 24. You know, prototypically now when teams look at goaltenders, what's the one thing that they look at? The size. He's 5'11". He's 34, going to be 35 years of age. It's not going to get... It can't get better than this. And again, it's it, it's it's not a disrespect right now to Kudobin. But right now, he has an 11-6 record in the playoffs. He's sporting a 267 goals against 918 save percentage. But so far against Vegas, he's pitched a shutout. And back-to-back games of save percentages of 950 and 970. Team's going to take a chance on him next year. And I just, I don't think it's going to be the same. I mean, think about when when the Ottawa Senators rode, you remember the Hamburglar, Andrew Hammond? We had like a 940-something didn't lose a game for 22 or 23 consecutive. They made the playoffs, were a tough out. And as soon as they were a tough out, the following season came right back down. Toronto Maple Leafs, 2013. Blow for blow with the Boston Bruins. A team that was significantly better than Toronto. And Reimer played out of his mind. And ultimately, they lose game seven. And now James Reimer is in a split role with Peter Morazic and can't win a starting job there. It's okay, like it happens, and that's why when you when when a goaltender starts playing hot, all it takes is a hot goaltender, and 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 you're in the running for the Stanley Cup. Now I'm also not saying that Anton Kudobin's the only reason. Dallas is known as being one of the better defensive teams out there. But ride this. Dallas is gonna live by the sword and die by the sword. This is the way they're going to play. This is the way you're going to see them play for the majority of the playoffs, however long they're in for. And if they lose three straight to Vegas, it's going to this going. They're going to die by the sword. If they win this and go on to win the Stanley Cup, they're going to win it doing this. This is going to be the tactic that they use, and we're going to find out if it's going to work for Vegas for a next game or two or three games. And if they move on to the finals, we're going to see if it works against the Islanders or against the Lightning. But it's probably looking a lot more. It's going to be the Lightning. And the Lightning are probably a little bit stiffer of an offensive threat than Vegas right now. Even though Vegas, I feel, is one of the more complete teams in this. Um, all right. So those are my series recaps. We'll see what happens next episode. Next episode, we could be seeing that. We could be doing a preview of the finals. But uh, until then, you know, I still have Vegas coming back and winning it in seven. I'm, I have to stick by it. I made that made that call. Lightning look like they're, they're taking care of business. So we'll see. Uh, I want to switch to this. And you know when you anticipate something? Like when someone tells you a secret and you know the secret and then you and that person go and you tell the other people about the secret, right? It was a bigger deal to you when you knew first. 
right? But now that everyone else knows, you know, when when eventually the secret gets let, when people tell the secret, it's not as big of a deal, at least to you. You're kind of more seeing the reaction. Uh, reports out there that goaltender Robin Leonard has a verbal agreement. This is reports. These aren't these aren't written statement reports out there that Robin Leonard has a ver- verbal agreement with the Vegas Golden Knights to sign a five-year deal at $5 million after the season comes to an end. Now, when when Vegas got Robin Leonard and they started playing Robin Leonard, and they started playing Robin Leonard over Marc-Andre Fleury, you knew an offer was coming. Like, there was not a chance Vegas was going to go, we're going to trade for Robin Leonard, play him for the majority of the playoffs, and then when the season ends, we're going to let him go. That was never going to be the case. So it's not as surprising when this rumor comes out that a verbal agreement is in place for that when the season comes to an end, Robin Leonard's going to sign a deal, five years, $25 million, $5 million per season. It's not a shocker. But now it puts the team in an interesting spot. So Marc-Andre Fleury is signed for the next two seasons at $7 million per. And a lot of teams are looking for an upgrade in net. Now, I had a couple friends reach out to me, and this is why I'm going over this topic, because I had a few people talk to me about it. And they asked where a couple landing spots were for him. And they were like, oh, could it be Vancouver? Could it be, do you think he retires? And A, I don't think Vancouver, they have enough goalie problems. as, as, as uh, They've got enough goalie issues right now as it is. I, I also can't see him retiring. It makes absolutely no sense. So here, here are a few of the teams that I don't necessarily think, I think it's a combination of both rumors and fit. I will start with one. And we're going to start with the Carolina Hurricanes. And I mentioned earlier, the tandem of Peter Mrazek and, and James Reimer not cutting it. You know, and, and I really think there's an opportunity there for their for Carolina to trade one of Peter Mrazek and or and James Reimer in exchange for Marc-Andre Fleury. I think I believe Carolina's cap isn't too bad. They just they just sent off uh, Joel Edmondson. We'll get to that a little bit later on to free up a little bit of cap. I know they have some other players to re-sign too, but I think the caps can kind of work for one another. Uh, Between the two goaltenders, I'm not 100% sure as to which one of the two would trade. I would assume it would be more of a... I I I think their caps are around the same. So, I mean, it it would be whatever one that Vegas would want. Or if there's... If if Carolina knows that they're they're getting... They're going to be getting flurry, they'll probably ask them, like, hey, we'll we'll give you one of the two guys. Uh, I believe Carolina also has assets to make this trade possible. So, if they trade... You know, Reimer and a, and a second or a third for Marc Andre Fleury, and they don't have to eat any extra cap, or they don't have to. If Vegas doesn't have to eat extra cap, I think there's a deal there that makes sense. But again, this is just a team that has a goaltending tandem that's probably looking for an upgrade in net, and I think they have the assets to make it work. Uh, another team is the Calgary Flames. So they are rumored right now, and you know, and I feel like Calgary is another team because they were also rumored when Pittsburgh was going through the Matt Murray and, and Marc Andre Fleury ordeal, and they were trying to offload Fleury then. And I think Calgary is one of those teams that was looking to swap him. Uh, I think, I think if the Flames can make the cap work, then the deal makes sense. Like, like Pittsburgh would have to take on a contract of Calgary's that they don't like. 
Um, as of right now, I can't I can't think of a player specifically off the top of my head. I don't think they're going to be intrigued to get a guy like Milan Lucic back unless they take a couple million of his cap. Uh, I think I think Calgary really came around and started enjoying the way Michael Backlund played, especially in that second third line role. I think he produced pretty well for them in the playoffs. It's not a great deal, but. I mean, maybe a backland in in terms of some sort of swap because I believe uh, they have Riddich under contract and Mac and uh, Cam Talbot is is a, is a UFA after this year, and I think Calgary's looking for an upgrade in net. So I mean, it, if, if Calgary could make the cap work there, there I could see something. I just know it's another team with a tandem that's looking for an upgrade in net, and Calgary's got a couple contracts that if Pittsburgh could take, there could be a deal that gets made there. I also know, too, that there's every team's trying to offload money. We'll get to that a little bit later on. And then the last team, in my opinion, and we keep coming back around them, is the Colorado Avalanche. Look, they have the cap space, and they learn what it's like to not have goaltending depth behind Philip Grubauer. They were playing with Michael Hutchinson in a Game 7 elimination game and could really use the guy like Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, I think that they'll be able to keep both. I don't think they'll have to send a goaltender back, and I don't think Pittsburgh's looking, or I'm sorry, I don't think that um that Vegas is looking for a goaltender back. You know, I think they'll go out and they'll sign a minimal guy, or maybe they send over a, a Francois or a Hutchinson, but I think Francois makes like three-something, so you probably don't want that money back, and they're probably like, no, we're good. Like, we have another guy, whether it's Malcolm Subban or whether it's anyone else to be the backup goaltender for the time being. And I think Colorado doesn't have to send a goalie back or send a contract back because they have so much cap space right now. And I just think you send a pick, prospect, doesn't affect their current roster. Because Colorado, at least my understanding, is Colorado's window to win is now. I think they've realized it. I think if they were a goaltender away from making the conference finals, and I, I think they're ready to go for the next couple of years. you got to think about it. All their stars are locked up for the next couple of years with McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog, Kadri, Kale McCarr still on his rookie contract. I think they just need a rook they just they just need a vet goaltender. And I think a couple of years of Marc-Andre Fleury with that core before they have to go in and re-sign Gail McCarr makes a whole lot of sense to me. So I I, I think Colorado is gonna be a team that you just hear a lot of coming up and it just it makes a lot of sense for trade-wise there, but it all depends on on what Colorado thinks about the rest of the market. Do you think they can go out and get a guy like Corey Crawford for less money? Or do they think that Braden Holby will be the answer for them? I don't know, but you know, that's that's a team that I could I could see um, Vegas picking up the phone and calling and saying, hey, we got your guy. You don't have to negotiate a contract. It's already done for two years. Let's make something work. So that's that's where I see it. I think uh, Calgary, Carolina, Colorado kind of makes sense. Calgary's a little bit more on the outside just because of the cap situation. But uh, there were some BS rumors about Toronto being one of the teams. Toronto's trying to offload money for a goaltender, not take on more. So that's it's not happening. Um, we'll quickly get into this, and, and I don't want to spend too much time because the awards were already sent out, but award season is continuously on right now, and I feel like these were fairly easy to predict, um, you know, outside of, of, of really one, um, all of these kind of made a lot of sense. Uh, Lou Lamorella won the Jim Gregory General Manager of the Year Award, beating out Tampa Bay Lightning's Julian Breezeball and Dallas Stars' Jim Nil. I would have went with Julian Breezeball here just because of the level of moves and the amount of moves that he made. I believe I read something earlier that said that I think the fourth newest deal, or the fourth, I guess, like, if you go back four trades, the last time Lula Amorello made a trade with them was for Matt Martin on the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that was four years ago. The two deadline moves that they made 
I believe they sent like a second round pick and something else for Andy Green, who at the start of the playoffs was a scratch. And then the most notable guy that they ended up trading for, who's happened to work out, is Jean-Gabriel Pajot. And I think the Dallas Stars' Julian Breezeball has done a phenomenal job. And it started with, with trading away the JT Miller, getting a first-round pick back, going out and spending to get Barkley Goodrow and Blake Coleman, both who have been integral pieces to this team, especially when they're trying to work around the amount of, of salary that they're spending on the superstars. They went on and they signed um, Kevin Shattenkirk before the season started as a cheap right-hand defenseman who's paid dividends phenomenally. And then they took a chance on Zach Bogosian, who's been great for them. And he's been in a limited role, like 12 minutes a game. But he has panned out perfectly and, and fit a role so nicely for them. I think the moves that the Tampa's made have been have made a bigger impact. But again, Pajot worked out. I think they gave up a first, a second, and a conditional third for Pajot. So, I mean, if the Islanders don't make it this far, they're calling for loose head. Um, but, you know, they're this far and you, know, you got to give the credit to the GM and that's why they pick Lula Amaral. I think between one of those two, all three of them, I mean, obviously you can't really go wrong because at the end of the day, th all three of the, the nominees were, are all alive at this point. So either one of them, I'm not going to fight too much on it. I would have given it to Julian Breezewell. Uh, Mark Giordano, captain for the Calgary Flames, won the Mark Messier Leadership Award. Uh, goes to an individual that demonstrates leadership qualities on and off the ice. 37-year-old, uh, very well-deserving, one of the best captains. Uh, he's very notable for some of the charity work that he does in and around the, the city and community of Calgary. And, you know, he's a guy that always goes out, leads by example, wears his heart on his sleeve, and continues to battle. There were no other nominees here. This was one that was just named. And, uh... Big kudos to Mark Giordano. I mean, I'm not gonna fight any of these two because these are these are all awards that to people. Like, I'm not gonna, you know, c complain here about whoever else. Like, let's I don't know. Alex Petrangelo should have won this award because he was a better. Like, it doesn't. It, they're all demonstrating leadership qualities on and off the ice. You're basically just trying to fight back and forth on who's the better person on and off the ice. And at this point, they're all very well deserving candidates. Mark Giordano happens to be the one that wins it. So congratulations to him. And then the last one, Nathan McKinnon winning the Lady Bing, or second last one, sorry, uh, Lady Bing Award uh, as, as, as showing gentlemanly conduct on and off the ice. He edged out Austin Matthews and Ryan O'Reilly. Now, I heard this comment, too, about Nathan McKinnon based on the year that he had. Basically, every award that has his name attached to it in, ser in terms of the, uh, the running and nominees, he's probably going to win. This one had a little bit more of an opportunity, but I think Nathan McKinnon was, uh, was a fine winner for this one. And then lastly, the... Um, the Selkie Award winner was announced, and it goes to Philadelphia Flyers center Sean Couturier. Uh, he took out uh, Patrice Bergeron and, uh, I believe, also Ryan O'Reilly for this award. And it was nice because Sean Couturier had yet to win this award. And I, I, read, I read a study, or an article, sorry, that said, of, I think, since 20... Since 2007, or 2008, there have only been seven different winners a lot of the winners having automatically been been re um re-given an opportunity re-nominated for a chance to win this award i feel like patrice bergeron's always in here i'm starting to feel like ryan o'reilly's been in here for the last couple years and i think this is the second time sean couturier has been awarded this was the one that was always like pavel datsuk and, and patrice bergeron and it was basically one of those two were winning the award but only seven different winners, and 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 I think this is the first time for for Sean Couturier. He is one of the best two way defense uh, two way centers in the National Hockey League, and is a very deserving individual. And maybe that's why there are only you know 
a couple nominees that always seem to cycle through because they are consistently, you know, showing that they are one of the best two-way centers and two-way players in the National Hockey League. A lot of people were complaining because they think Mark Stone should be in this award. I also agree that he should have been at least nominated. And it, it always seems to go to a center, but, you know, at this point, it's it's... They're all really fantastic players. Maybe starting next year, there'll be a little bit more recognition to wingers. But uh, congratulations there to Sean Couturier for the um, for the Selkie. And uh, all right, so let's get to the fun stuff here. Let's get to some news and rumors going around around the National Hockey League. And we'll start with this one. We'll go to the trades. Um, you know, Pittsburgh Penguins continue on with the trading. They trade forward Nick Bukestad to the Minnesota Wild for a conditional seventh round pick. Uh, that condition is based on the fact that if Nick Bukestad uh, scores more than 35 points, they will be awarded that seventh round pick. On top of this trade, too, the Pittsburgh Penguins eat 50% of Nick Bukestad's salary, which I believe is just over $4 million. So they're getting about half of it. And it's only going to be $2 million for the Minnesota Wild. Uh, deal makes sense for both teams. Minnesota Wild gets some depth at the scoring position. I believe Bukestad's a center, so he can play, um, you know, third-line center. Maybe sometimes push to the wing, second power play time. And, uh, and the Pittsburgh Penguins, they don't clear all $4 million of the cap, but they clear a little cap. I think if Pittsburgh would want to really have traded more and, and not taken any cap back, I think they would have had to have given a pick instead of received one. And I think they already... They already took enough. Uh, they already took enough heat for trading a first-round pick to the Toronto Maple Leafs and a prospect. And I just don't think Jim Rutherford's in a position right now to be trading more picks away. So, um, I mean, deal makes sense for both teams. I, I, there's not a clear winner. There's not a clear loser. Obviously, you know, the Minnesota Wild get a player that to put into the roster, so they get a little bit better on paper. But you know, this is necessary for the Pittsburgh Penguins, who have talked about you know trying to drop to the mid to low 70s for the for the cap next year. Uh, another trade going around, the um, Carolina Hurricanes flip Joel Edmondson to the Montreal Canadiens for a fifth round pick. Now, this is the interesting one. He's a pending uh, restricted free agent. He's 6'4". He had a career-high 20 points in 68 games. Uh, he'll be a good death piece for the Montreal Canadiens if they can re-sign him. But this is the thing I saw, I read earlier. You know, he's, He was a restricted free agent. He wasn't going to be the guy that you really had to trade a lot to get. And, you know, the conversation was, you know, was it worth Montreal trading that fifth round pick to get him? And honestly, I say yes. He's a big defenseman. He fills, you know, a, a need for that team and filling a, a role position. Um, you know, I feel like the Canadians have like 10, 11, or 12 picks in the first three or four rounds of this upcoming draft. Like, it's insane. I think they have their first, they have two or three seconds and like another two or three thirds it's it, the fifth round pick for them. They're not really going to miss it. So, you know, the deal makes a lot of sense for, for both teams. I think, you know, in terms of uh, the Hurricanes, they're so deep with the blue line. I think they've still got to re-sign Hayden Fleury. Uh, they have got a, uh, it was just, it was nice for them. They would be able to get a pick without having to get into the negotiation. And Montreal gets an opportunity to negotiate with a guy before he hits the market. So good on them. Uh, just notable two point about him. He was a Stanley Cup winner with the St. Louis Blues a year ago. So brings that, brings that level of experience and pedigree to a team that uh, wouldn't hate it. So uh, yeah, Hurricanes still have to sign Trevor Van Riemsdyk, Sammy Vatten are also pending UFAs. So they could find a way to bring him back. Uh, that would be, um, they'd be pretty hyped about that. Uh, next detail here. I think those are all the trades I wanted to get out of the way. But next deal, next detail here that I want to get to, and this will be the, one of the last points I get to, is that the is that the St. Louis Blues defenseman and captain, current captain right now, Alex Petrangelo, has voiced some more frustration with the lack of a deal that has yet to transpire for the team. Uh, this is a quote from Pierre Lebrun saying, quote, It's been a little disappointing that they haven't been able to get a deal done. 
obviously. Quote, but there is the situation we're in. We're over three weeks away from October 9th. There hasn't been much in terms of progress. Ouch. That is from Blues current captain Alex Petrangelo. Um, that's not what Blues fans want to hear. And I got to be honest, the last time, you know, episode five, the St. Louis Blues had just traded Jake Allen away. They'd taken off, I think, almost $4 million in cap space. And I was thinking, okay, like, that's the plan. They, they got rid of cap. They are getting ready to offer Petrangelo a deal. And evidently, things have not... Things have not gone the way that either Petrangelo or the St. Louis Blues have wanted. I, I heard rumors saying that the uh, St. Louis Blues aren't really go willing to go more than $8 million per season and that Petrangelo is trying to get a little bit more out of them. And it's just they've kind of come to a standstill. And listen, as the deadline, the deadline is clear. October 9th was the, the deal last episode that was announced that is going to be the start of uh, a free agency. And as that deadline inches closer, you have to wonder... What's the play here for both sides? Like, what's Petrangelo's agents? What's Petrangelo's camp thinking here? What's St. Louis thinking? Because St. Louis is kind of, they're kind of screwed here. If they don't, I mean, you don't want to lose your captain. They're fine on the right side, but that Justin Falk deal sucks. Seven-year, 45 million. He makes $6.25 million a season. And that's behind Parenko and Petrangelo. Not to mention, they have Robert Bortuzzo. I know he's a depth guy, but I think he's at one or $1.1 million. Like, you're paying a lot of money for defensemen who are not your captain. Petrangelo last year, 16 goals, 52 points in 70 games as a defenseman. Of course, he's expected to sign a significant deal, but the dude deserves it. So I, I I have no idea anymore. I said that once that once St. Louis traded Jake Allen, that that was going to be they're going to sign Petrangelo in the next week or two, and and they're probably going to have to move another body out of there to make room. And it was going to be you know one of the forwards like Jane Schwartz or Tyler Bozak or even you know a defenseman if they could find a partner for Falk, it would make a lot more sense if, if Perenko was the guy getting traded. I predicted that they would trade Perenko to the Leafs for that first round pick, maybe a prospect, and maybe bring in a guy like Travis Dermott, but. This is tough. This is a tough situation for the St. Louis Blues. And, you know, Petrangelo put it himself. He's like, we're just over three weeks away from that date. And he's also said, too, that it, once that date hits, if there's not a deal, he might not want to negotiate with the team anymore. They've had enough time to do it. When you can't come to terms, he's going to go look elsewhere. And I bet a team probably gives him eight and a half, close to $9 million. So... 52 points, 72 game, 70 games, sorry. Captain of a team. He's a catalyst on the back end. He's one of the best defensemen, not just right-hand defensemen, but defensemen in the league. We'll see what happens come October 9th or or in the coming weeks. But right now, things are not great for, uh, for Petrangelo in that camp. And then the last thing I want to get to, and I wasn't going to touch on this today, but I heard another, a couple other platforms talking about it, so I thought I'd touch on it. Uh, you know, things just aren't really better for the Arizona Coyotes right now, as there was a story that came out saying that they were late on paying some of their bonuses to not only their players, but some of their staff members within the organization. And it really goes to show that, you know, if you're not a big market team like the Toronto Maple Leafs, the New York Rangers, or the Montreal Canadiens, that you are going to struggle. You know, that 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 cap, that number, that salary that's not coming in right now is going to take a toll on your organization, on your franchise. Now, with ownership, you know, it, we're talking about owners who are, are who have billions and billions of dollars and 
you know, you understand that you you would think they would want to make sacrifices and small little cuts to preserve everybody else's future. But, you know, it's it's they're never I feel like billionaires are never going to look at it differently. You know, the way they see, you know, their team, their organization and the people that are involved, it's a business and they're making business decisions that are going to keep them keep them happy that are going to keep them above float and they're trying to show that they are continuously making profits i'm obviously not a billionaire so i don't know what that mindset is but you know a lot of teams i've talked about this a lot of teams the pittsburgh penguins are one of the teams the ottawa Senators are one of the teams the buffalo sabers there's a story out about the buffalo sabers that asked all of their coaching staff to to retain 50 percent of their salaries in order for them to not have any more layoffs or any more cutbacks. And I'm hearing teams that are, you know, the cap's going to be set at $81.5 million. And I'm hearing that teams are trying to cut their cap down to the mid to low 70s, you know, to, to try and be able to withstand the next three years that is the cap strap world. And, you know, I think I think this individual nailed it. Um, you know, as a, a gentleman over at Sportsnet, and, and he basically said, like, the Maple Leafs are the bank. You have MLSE that is never going to be afraid to spend to the cap. The team makes an absurd amount of money each and every year. This is a a time where a a team like Toronto, a team like the Rangers, the Montreal Canadiens can really flex their muscles and squeeze a little bit out of teams that can't afford to pay money. Big name deals, big name players who are on big name contracts who the teams just can't afford them anymore. You know, Toronto say, listen, my, or the Rangers, the, the Habs. Let's say, listen, the Habs right now have thirteen million dollars in cap space. You don't think the Habs can go up to the to the Arizona Coyotes? And goes, listen, all Reckman Larson's making like eight eight and a half million dollars. We'll take four of it off your hands for you. We'll flip you like a second or third round pick. Arizona, who has got enough problems as it is right now. I know it seems far fetched. But the way the money situation is transpiring in the National Hockey League. I heard this from a lot of people. You thought you thought the year with Vegas and the expansion draft was nuts? This year, maybe even next year, it's going to be wild. It's going to be wild. And the rich teams are going to take advantage. And the teams that are cap strapped right now are really going to show it. Cap... Caps at 81.5 million, there might be five teams that spend to the cap. Five or six teams max that spend to the cap. I didn't realize how big of a deal it was until I started hearing that. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like Arizona, they're a little late to payments. Like they're not really the most rich organization. And, you know, they've they've had their own issues going on in the past. But it just it just led out to, you know, this is not just Arizona. This is a lot of teams who don't spend the cap. This is a lot of teams who are struggling to make a, you know, a consistent revenue and consistent earnings each and every year. And teams like and they're going to be trading off players to try and hit this cap floor and they're going to try and try and make cap and they're they're going to want to get to the mid to 70 million dollar range. It's going to be a crazy offseason. Going to be interesting over the next 3 weeks or so and and once free agency hits, once the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs end and and the draft and everything like that. 
We could be seeing some major deals. Uh, but that is it for episode six. Thank you again. Uh, make sure you follow along at Second Thoughts P on Instagram and Twitter. You can listen live on all streaming formats, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Like I said, as well, if you've got any inquiries, topics, news, uh, situations, scenarios that you want to talk about, by all means, send them my way. I will be more than happy to get to them. Enjoy the next few days or games. Uh, next episode, we might have a Stanley Cup preview, a matchup set and ready to go. Until then, that's a wrap.